0: All right, guys. Welcome back to Revive School. It's been a, a crazy week. I mean, you think about this, Kevin. We have just finished up, praise the Lord, uh, Paul's epistles. Kind of hard to imagine that we've gone through so much. Like, I, I want to go to all of our little rack of all of our paintings, but man, Kevin, you've totally changed up the place today. The end of the week, and here we are with a new book. Uh, we are in one of the, the sections that, like, I remember at Dallas Seminary, like, it was just like this meat. And you just left away thinking, what did I just learn? Like, you kind of grasp it. And then at the same time, you're like, man, this all points to like the current situation of the politics and the the history going on right then and there and the countries and the wars and the fighting and the judgment. And then you're like, wait, no, he's talking about future stuff. He's talking about like actually Christ coming back. Or I should say Christ coming. And then he says, no, but Christ is coming back. So you kind of have these three areas, Kevin, is what I would say is as we begin to study the major prophets from the book of Isaiah, you have this current situation. And I I know this might sound silly and childlike, but I want as much as I can to slow down this week and just kind of emphasize some things. And so here you have, like, like, let's just say that this is your current situation. Okay, we're going to begin to talk through that. Then you're going to have, Kevin, what I would consider uh, the first, the advent, okay, or his first coming. Okay, that makes sense, Kevin? And then you have another situation. You have the second advent, or what we would say then, his return. Now, here's what's interesting about this. So Isaiah is going to be writing about this, okay? But they all, Kevin, they all connect. Whenever we're talking about um, uh, the book of Isaiah in the situation, I want you in your mind to think of those three dots. Is he talking about this time? Is he talking about this time? Or is he talking about this time? And he could be talking about all three times. So I just in that imagery, like sometimes, you know, like when you're in the Gospels, you're like, well, clearly he's talking about like the go- He's talking about the disciples following him around the Sea of Galilee. But then he always has a bigger picture, doesn't he? He always has a bigger picture of his disciples. It's the same same thought, same truth with the book of Isaiah. Here's what's crazy about all of this. The name Isaiah actually means um, the Lord is salvation. And I felt like that was important to understand. When you're looking in the context of these three dots, you always have to have what Isaiah's name means. Why is this important? Because in all of the book of Isaiah... I actually believe that the meaning of his name drives everything that he says. The Lord is salvation. And no, that's not our word. It could be. Absolutely. But what he's going to constantly be pointing to for our word in all three of these points, Kevin, is Emmanuel. If you go to Isaiah 7, verse 14, a lot of you know these as the Christmas prophecies, the Christmas Bible verses. There's actually quite a few of them, but here's what Isaiah is going to be talking about. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son and name him Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. So, all right, I feel like we've already given you a fire hose, like saying, look, it means the Lord of salvation, which means Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In your current situation, I want you to understand Jesus is always going to be present with you. Isaiah says, hey, by the way, in this situation, even though it doesn't look good, he is coming for you. He's going to actually be God in human flesh. And then in the process, he's going to come one time, but he's also going to come a second time. And he begins to paint a picture about what this paradise, this heaven eventually is going to look like. And you're going to begin to see all of these layers that Isaiah talks about. And here you have uh, the, the time frame of all of this is, first of all, he is the son of Amos says in Isaiah 1.1, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So, Kevin, just to slow down, when it says the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem, what what does it even mean just right there? Well, it's during the, once the two kingdoms had split, so. So, let's do this, okay? So, this is kind of a big one. He is the son of Amaz, and it says, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So, we're going to go to a cool graphic which I do love. I was studying yesterday and Rich just said, I feel like I'm supposed to be obedient and just sit next to you. So we just drank some snow cones and talked. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> we didn't. You know what we talked about? This. Cause you know how hard and difficult this process is. Think about this. You have, okay. I want you to understand something. You have Saul, right? And then under Saul, you have David. David came in and replaced Saul. And then obviously you have David's son, which was Solomon, okay? They are all united, right? The whole country was united here. But then, at the at after Solomon's time frame, after forty years of reign, the kingdom split. It went to a northern kingdom, and then it went to a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom ended up being ten different tribes. Okay, we're not going to get into all the details. And then you have the southern kingdom, Kevin, which was Judah and Benjamin. Okay, now the Judah and Benjamin tribe is the one that the Messiah. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, because there's so much here. The Messiah is going to come through this lineage, but they're split. When they become split, you have prophets, okay, that start speaking into the split kingdoms. Okay. So here you have a Kings and usually it goes bad King, good king, King, bad King, bad, 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 good. You know, like it's over and over in this season. Okay. Of these Kings, that's what all these guys are here is you have major and minor prophets. Here you have Isaiah over here, goatee and bald, Micah, younger version of him, goatee and bald. We have no idea. Okay, just so you know. Now, the contemporaries of Isaiah typically would be Micah. And according to this graphic, we have Jonah, Amos, and Hosea, usually at the same time frame, but Kevin, they're speaking into different kingdoms. Okay, so when it says the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem, that would make sense because Kevin, that's his audience. That would be like Hosea or Amos saying a vision concerning the 10 tribes, which they might call Ephraim, okay? So like, you're like, wait, is this the 10? Or the Northern Kingdom, okay? So Isaiah is speaking into, usually, Kevin, what we would call the Southern Kingdom. The Southern Kingdom consists of Judah and Benjamin, right? In this mix... OK, is a city, Jerusalem. But why is that important to understand? Because his whole message is going to be the Lord is salvation. God is with us. He's going to be talking about, hey, by the way, you've done some pretty stupid stuff. This stupid stuff is going to actually lead to. OK, now here's where it's going to get woo! <laughs> pre-exile, exile and post-exile. You're like, what? What are you talking about? And that's just in the current. That's correct. So let me go back here to this graphic. Okay, you see the Assyrian captivity and then you have the Babylonian captivity. Isaiah is prophesying, okay, about what the southern kingdom is going to experience in captivity. So he's saying, by the way, life's not going to be good soon. Okay, does that make sense? So he is a pre exile, which means exile means the Israelites, okay? You're either going to be killed and wiped out, or you're going to be put in quote unquote captivity prison, okay? And so he's going to say, this is what's coming. Well, who who wants to hear those things? You're going to hear what's called oracles, okay? Oracles become quote unquote burdens, okay? They're also a form of a prophetic word. Isaiah, as a major prophet, drops a whole lot of oracles. You're going to see judgments that come against the nations in all the book of Israel. And you're like, man, this is no fun. In fact, at the end of next week, okay, you're going to hear these oracles against all these other different nations. In this process, Kevin, you have two captivities. You have the Assyrian and the Babylonian. Uh, a little bit of difference, what would you say? Uh, well, one they come back from and one they don't. That's right. The one they come back from the Babylonian, the Assyrians... Done. So here's the deal. Isaiah, his end goal, just so you know, is to portray like there's hope. I think that's a fair statement. Amidst all of this, the Lord is salvation. God is with us in this process. So during the four kings, I'm going to go back. Joey, I'm going to keep you busy today. I'm going to keep moving here for you. Here you have Isaiah. And Kevin, look what it says. It says he's he's during the period of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Now remember... You have to understand whenever you're beginning a book, especially a major prophet, you really have to set the tone, okay? So Rich and Kevin and I, we began this discussion, this dialogue of um, of these kings. All right, if we were to do a generic version of this, okay, like a super generic, when you're looking at Uzziah, okay, Rich, I'm going to go to you for the good, the bad, the maybe, the mixed, whatever, in a second, but just say, so you have an idea of this picture, okay, of Uzziah. Uzziah, um, really, his downfall resulted from his attempt to assume privileges, you ready for this, of a priest and burn incense on an altar. Like, he, he took on two different roles, okay? He was judged with leprosy, but he never actually received it, okay, in this process. And Uzziah was just kind of one of those confused guys. Where's my identity in all of this? So, Rich, in all of this, how would you label Uzziah, good or bad, or mixed? Meh. i uh, meh. <laughs> I mean he, he had some good qualities But then he had some bad ones That's Uzziah That's one of the kings That Isaiah is going to be speaking Into the context of Then you have Jotham Which is Uzziah's son Okay uh, Interesting enough um, He took over when he was age 25 Now just to, to give Uzziah a little credit He started when he was age 16 Joey how old are you? Uh, I'm 17 So Joey it'd be like you running a country how, Rich how do you feel about your son running a country? Hope I'm not living in it <laughs> So here you have Uzziah running. He's a young kid. didn't eh? Man. And then you have Jotham, who, you know, at the age of 25, um, Assyria grew in power uh, under him as king. And then here you have this whole process of Judah versus Israel and Syria. Now, Israel and Syria, Kevin, would be considered more of the northern kingdom. Correct. Okay. Judah is the southern kingdom. At this point, Jotham is a part of this process where they're against each other. OK, because that's really what happens. You guys, these kings really don't like each other. <laughs> like there's constant division. I mean, if you pick some of these African countries today and you don't you don't really have a concept until you go there, or you hear, man, these countries are, are going at it. I mean, think of North and South Korea. Not that they necessarily hate each other. Ah, yeah, they probably do, actually. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. So Jotham is a part of that process. So think about this war tension, and then all of a sudden a prophet is constantly speaking into this. Now, here you have a third king, Ahaz. So he is speaking into this during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz. Ahaz came in at the age of 20. Man, these guys are like, I mean, there must be king school. They're starting in here. Uh, Age 20 and then 25 really is when he began to reign into Judah. Uh, uh, He reigned until he was probably around 41 years old. Uh, and then, in this, he attempted to form an alliance to combat uh, Assyrians, but Ahaz refused to bring Judah uh, into an alliance because uh, there 's just Kevin? he 's just messed up, he had his priorities all wrong, <laughs> child sacrifices Boom. bad bad king <laughs> I mean he led to a, a a pagan altar in all of this Kevin he set it up I and mean, he set it up in solomon 's temple. Uh, during his uh, his time, his reign, the Assyrians actually captured Samaria and carried many of the Israelites away. And so like, uh, unfortunately, in this time frame, this is what Isaiah is seeing. So you got to imagine a, a prophet that's releasing a word in a current situation. He'd be like picking up the USA Today or, or reading, uh, watching Fox News or, you know, whatever the context is. And all of the news, it's always like, what an idiot. Like, that's that's his filter. So you have to wonder if Isaiah's filter is just current. Remember, you have three situations. His filter is what I see. Hey, by the way, what's coming? Praise God. And then ultimately, all of that's going to take care of it. Like, this is the lens that prophets speak into. Then you have your fourth king. So you have three different kings so far. Okay, you have Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Ah, Ahaz, and then your fourth one would be Hezekiah. Praise the Lord. There's one of them in the house that you're like... Ah, oh, I like this guy. So, Rich, would you, would you approve King Hezekiah? Yes, he was a good king. You know, he came in roughly in the mid 20s. He was a great king. Uh, Reformation was definitely a theme of Hezekiah's. Uh, Hezekiah had this, there was this threat of an Assyrian's army forcing Judah. And then in, in all of this, Hezekiah, uh, didn't back down. Hezekiah knew, Kevin, here it is, who he needed to trust. Ultimately, he needed to put his trust in In the Lord, where the other knuckleheads, they are constantly trusting other buddies, other alliances or themselves. But when you have a leader like that, you guys, that influences all of the country. So Hezekiah actually is talking about trusting the Lord. He's integrating, and I love this, things of God. He's removing things that are not of God. Like he's actually establishing truth in all of this. Remember the crazy story? He even prayed that God would extend his life. Remember this? You know, and, he, and God gave him fif- 15 more years. Again, we, I don't want to teach on all of these guys. I just want to give you an, a, a, a reality that as Isaiah's is speaking into Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, you know, you have all these prophetic words like you have the Lance Walnows out there that are watchmen. I, Lance would be, in my opinion, and some of you are going to say, well, I can't believe you're bringing in individuals. I'm just trying to give you examples of people who watch the news. And then speak truth into it based on the scriptures. Okay, um, uh, Baptist guy here in Dallas. He sends it out every single day. He's really good. Really, really good. Um, actually, we had him on a radio program a long time ago. He's got a double doctorate. Anyway, my point is is he's, he's more of a conservative line. And then you have the, uh, the charismatic line. They're both good. The point is, is they watch the news. They're watchmen. And then they release words into that based on truth. That's what Isaiah does, That's you guys. And so when you see, a, when you hear about this language of of a vision, please, please don't get nervous about this, okay? Um, because you have a dreams and you have visions. Somebody's sleeping, and then the next thing you know, like when you're sleeping, God shows you something. That's a dream. You could be every day walking, going through life, and the next thing you know, God just shows you something, a vision. Like Peter sitting on a roof, a sheet drops down three different times of unclean animals, but God says, no, there's a clean. That's a vision that he had. God gave a vision to Isaiah whose name means the Lord is salvation. And he says, I want you to speak into three different things. Current situation, his coming, and oh, by the way, his return. And all of this is to show, here's the best part of all of Isaiah. God's going to be with you in the whole process. Emmanuel. Yes, we will actually have a lesson on the Christmas prophecies. (laughs) You have to, man. In the major prophets, you kind of have to walk through this process. Now, Rich, we had talked about, you had said, hey, are you going to mention it all Uh, And I think this is kind of a cool picture here about like there's 66 chapters, okay, in the book of Isaiah. Okay, Uh, Kevin, how how many books in the Bible are there? 66. 66. Here's what I love and is intimidating about the book of Isaiah, and it really is. Like Revive School is meant to show you where is the Messiah in every single book of the Bible. Matthew 5:17. Jesus even said, "Look, I didn't come to abolish or destroy the law. I came to actually fulfill. I came to give hope in the process." Matthew 5:17 can be truly a description, honestly you guys, of the whole book of Isaiah. And so in the process of these 66 chapters, OK, here's what's really cool. This is only the Lord could do this. The first 39 chapters, they talk about judgment. They talk about the law components. They talk about what's going to happen in the first 39 chapters. So let me just tell you the first couple of weeks here in with the book of Isaiah. It's kind of a beatdown. Like, I'll give you some hope. I'll give you some water. I'll say, hey, look, the Lord of the Rings is all the way up there. It's going to work. I just I've been on a plane. I went watching The Hobbit. So I know about you know, climbing mountains and finding hope. <laughs> Not physically, just watching. <laughs> uh, you have the first 39 chapters that are really kind of like, ah, judgment, whoa. And then what you have is, is the last 27 chapters. Did you see that? There's 39 books in the actual Old Testament. Okay, so the first 39 books, 39 chapters, they both kind of fit into this, like they kind of portray the same thing. Then the last 27 chapters of the book of Isaiah, it really talks about, you guys, comfort and redemption, which is really what the New Testament brings, comfort and redemption through God with us. So here you have Isaiah painting the most ridiculous picture. Man, my times suck. How many of you say, if you're in the United States today, you're like, good Lord, could it get any worse? I was with a pastor and his wife and my wife and I, we had a double date and we were talking about stories that people were experiencing, not only in their church, but around. And you're like, that happened in this century? Like these kind of things? Isaiah's like, hey, man, God gave me something for this time. And he says, look, I'm going to tell you the reality. It doesn't look good. Judgment's coming because of how we are today. That's the reality. We bring on what we actually do. You know that, right? And then in this, he says, but it's okay. I'm still going to portray hope. So the the last 27 chapters, like we're going to get there. But that's kind of the theme, you guys, of these major prophets. You know, the major prophets would involve Kevin, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And then we integrate even lamentations here. And then we're going to go to the the other letters in the New Testament. And then we're going to come back to the 12 minor prophets. But the, the words of the prophet, especially the major prophets, like they're not always like, oh, I really like Isaiah. Really like Jeremiah. Like, and so here's the deal. In in the very first chapter, like he just hits the ground running. He goes to verse two. He says, look, here's the vision that comes from God. This isn't like Isaiah just dreaming up something. God downloads to him. The spirit of God speaks to him. Remember, in the Old Testament, the spirit of God is not in us permanently, but the spirit of God comes on downloads. And it says this in verse two. Listen, heavens and pay attention, earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have raised children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. So now here's what you have. God is saying to Isaiah, hey, by the way, the word that you're going to say is going to basically in the first chapter portray a courtroom case. Really, that's what it comes down to. Lord, the Lord is the plaintiff <laughs> and Israel is the defendant. Well, who, I'm pretty sure we know who's going to lose. And guess what? Isaiah... Gets to release the message. eyes. Israel, guilty. More specifically, Judah. More specifically, Judah, Benjamin, the southern kingdom. You're guilty. How would you like to hear that from the Lord? <laughs> I've raised them up. I brought them up. But oh, by the way, you've rebelled against me, uh, Kyle. Um, I'm going to bring my children here: Maya, Nadia, Selah, Jude, Kyle, and Laura. Verse children. Why are you guys such weasels all the time? Like, why is it? I just told you to brush your teeth, but how did you end up stop playing basketball? You know, like this is the context that God is like, I have raised you up and you do not listen guilty. No, 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 but now it's done. And that's what he does, you guys. He begins to lay it out and he says this, the ox knows its owner and the donkey, its master's feeding trough, but Israel does not know. You don't even know that I'm in charge, God says. You don't even know that I'm for you. My people are thick headed. Doesn't say that it says my people do not understand. He says, oh, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, brood of evildoers, depraved children. He's describing his own kids. You brood of evildoers. <laughs> and this is what he says. They've abandoned the Lord. They've despised the Holy One of Israel. They've turned their backs on him. Man, if I am, if I am, uh, Isaiah, I'm like, I don't want this vision. Yeah, right. You want me to go tell your kids this? Well, yes. In verse five, it says, why do you want more beatings? Why do you keep on rebelling? The whole head is hurt and the whole heart is sick. In other words, there's nothing healthy about you, Israel. There's nothing healthy about you, southern kingdom. He says, from the sole of the foot, even to the head, no spot is uninjured. (laughs) Great. Wounds, welts, festering sores, not cleansed, bandaged, or soothed with oils. In other words, I actually see all of your issues. And in fact, there's nothing good about you, he says. From the sole of your foot to your head, you got some major problems. In fact, he says in verse seven, your land is desolate, your cities burned with fire. Foreigners devour your fields before your very eyes, a desolation demolished by foreigners. Daughter Zion is abandoned like a shelter in a vineyard, like a shack and cucumber field. (laughs) Like a besieged city. Uh, Daughter Zion is referencing specifically even Judah. uh, I'm sorry, Jerusalem. And so, Kevin, what he's saying is his judgment is coming. It's not good now. But by the way, in the process, if I could, these aren't dots. okay? but by the way, I would talk about uh, here's what he's saying. Captivity is coming. Current situation says all this is going to happen. You might not see it tangibly right now, but he says in verse nine, if the Lord of hosts has not left us a few survivors, We would be like Sodom. We would resemble Gomorrah. In other words, God is going to spare us, though, in the captivity. Okay, does this make sense? He's going to spare us and leave us a remnant. He's going to leave us a faithful Israelites that will establish what what, uh, John MacArthur says, a a nucleus of returning Israelites that God's going to use to regather the nations. (laughs) Like, we could just teach on verse 9 today. You know that, right? By the way, situation is not good. Captivity is going to take place. But after the captivity, after the captivity, by the way, you will see what we would call a return. Okay, now I'm not talking about the return of Christ. I'm talking about and I'm not even talking about the return of Jews in the big picture. I'm just saying there's a remnant. Does that make sense? There's just a little small gathering, okay, that he's going to establish. So he's not going to wipe out completely the southern kingdom. That's what you have to know. This message is hope that not everybody's going to die. Please sir. I'd like to be me. Otherwise, if I didn't leave a few survivors, you would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. What Sodom and Gomorrah was like, Phew, it's gone. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Captivity. I'm, this is Kyle right now for a second. This is captivity's coming. What are all your sacrifices to me? Asked the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings and rams and fat of well-fed cattle. I have no desire for the blood of bulls, lambs, or male goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires this from you? This trampling of my courts. Here's what God's saying in the courtroom. Here's what you have to understand. He's like, Oh, Israelites, my kids, you look good. You play the part. We're God's chosen children. But it's all fake. It's all hypocrisy. You play the games of the offering. And you know what I love in verse 11? Enough is enough, he said. I'm sick of this mentality. Stop bringing your useless offerings. In verse 13, he says, your incense is detestable to me. <laughs> New moons and Sabbaths and the calling of solemn assemblies. I cannot stand iniquity within a festival. Here's the crazy thing. God actually called for Sabbaths to make Israel dis, uh, separate, but they're using those things as a cloak Honestly, to fake their heart, their heart is not right. Sometimes I want to just say, man, it's a foreshadow of even what's happening in the church. George Barna did a crazy survey, you guys. There's right now one church uh, in the United States for every 550 adults. 93% of the Americans in America say they actually have a Bible in their home. 60% of the Americans would actually say that they are... Religious. But here's the crazy thing. is uh, 62% would say, though, it's, they're not, it's not relevant to what they do in their interactions. The world would say what they do is not relevant. My point is this. We have everything that looks like we're the Christian nation. And yet the reality is, then why don't we see something different? Why do we have all of this stuff that we say and we look at culture, we look at news? It just, it feels like we're not having an impact. And I think Isaiah has gotten to the point, you guys, where uh, he's like, enough's enough. I'm going to release what God has said. Look, you're still my chosen people. God still loves the church. He still loves the body of Christ. I just think that there's a a little bit of a message, just a little for us that just says, guys, what part are we playing in this game? What part are we playing? In fact, verse 15 says, when you lift up your hands in prayer, I'll refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. C- can I just tell you, like, it's like we're doing one thing and yet we're still playing the game of the religious game. Scripture even says in the New Testament, the New Covenant, you guys, the Brit Hadashah, it even says, like, if we do not teach, or if, um, excuse me, if we do not treat our wives well, Scripture actually says our prayers will not be answered. Why do we think even in today we can treat our spouses one way and then come before God with our hands up and say, God's going to respond. It's the same mentality, you guys. What you see in all of this, you guys, is that there is a situation and man, we have not even scratched the surface of Isaiah one or Isaiah two. But here's the picture. It's the courtroom. God versus his kids. And you know what he says? Guilty got to understand this you guys there has to be quote-unquote bad news in order to understand that isaiah is going to release good news as well you got to have bad news in order to hear the good news thanks for hanging in there with me as we begin to yep i'm going to say it again plow through the book of isaiah join us tomorrow as we dig in with isaiah 3 and 4